With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everybody. How are you? Uh, thank you very much for choosing to listen to another episode of Soundtracking, my weekly podcast where I get to dive into the minds of the great and good in the world of film and TV. And I have to be totally honest with you, I think it's one of the things that's kept me sane throughout this entire episode in the world. Um, Getting to chat to all these incredible people about their work and picking apart all these wonderful stories, creative stories of how they put things together has been very exciting. And we've got lots of really brilliant guests to come over the next few weeks. And I can't thank them enough for their time and I can't thank you enough for listening. So um, our latest guest on Soundtracking are a duo who've combined to great effect on the most haunting drama and character study, a film called Luxor. Now, as we'll hear, writer-director Zena Dura contacted Venezuelan composer Nascar Linares somewhat out of the blue to score her film. Now, the film tells the story of an aid worker who heads to Egypt to escape the horrors of the civil war in Syria. Andrea Riseborough's performance is the lead in this. It's just the most incredible performance and as are the locations and the cinematography. So please do check all of the above out on home entertainment formats as and when you get a second. Now, originally, Zena didn't want any incidental music at all, which perhaps informed the ambient, stripped-back aesthetic of Nasca's score. But he has done a beautiful job from beginning to end, capturing both a mood, but also a sense of place, starting with his opening cue, First Dig. so much both of you i was just saying to Naski, thank you for your time um <laughs> listen huge congratulations on on this film it is absolutely spectacular on so many levels it really really is oh, thank, thank you Zena. if i can start with you in terms of what was the seed of of wanting to to tell the story and and kind of where it came from really i guess so it's funny, I've had like two million interviews and it's only now that I'm at the kind of like end of this sort of round of the, of the film. I've really realized that the film actually came from a, a real fear of having failed <laughs> because I had, been, I had like basically, I basically had this film that was going. I hadn't made a film for a while. The film didn't get greenlit. And then that night I went to bed and I had this dream about this woman walking through Luxor and um, it was like there was a real sense of mourning of loss. And mm. and then I tried to construct the film from those emotions, like, you know, and, and kind of the things that I was interested in in the world and like 
and kind of things that were pertinent to me. So it kind of was like a uh, the the image started it and the feelings and then and then we kind of I made sense of it. Wow, that's amazing. I I am I'm slightly envious because I can never remember. Hold on, I'm just going to shut my door because my seven year old I can hear him jumping up the stairs. One second. <laughs> mine is like he's on running out of the bedroom. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you know, I'm so happy you did that because I'm worried that mine is that's why I'm on this floor because yeah. they have like radar. I don't know, their ears are so good. They can oh hear my me God. anyway. Yeah. They and they just yeah. think they can come in like it's like I mean just lovely, but they're like, Can you just not come in so they're not shot naked whilst I'm doing like a BAFTA QA, please? Thanks very much. But anyway, back to this beautiful film. It's really interesting because I I kind of weirdly like I think so many people will see parts of themselves in in heart in terms of the discovery, the sense of kind of, you know, that sort of trying to trying to find your where you feel what what and who and where makes you happy, really, or even just a bit of contentment in your life. And I loved watching Andrea in this. I mean, the casting was like pristine. You know, when you watch someone in a role and you like, there is no one else who could have ever played this. And she just brings so much kind of so much to this role, you know, in terms of almost at times uncomfortable in her own skin. At times she's just poetic and beautiful in her movements and she's quiet and she's considered. And I wondered if you had her in mind when you were writing it as well. I didn't have her in mind. It was strange. I wrote the, the script like a poem. And then I, I spoke to this casting director and I was like, you know, I need someone who has like a, a kind of depth and a weight to them. And so we kind of worked from there. Yeah, it's, it's just, and I love how much space you've given just the performance to breathe and the story to breathe and the audience to almost take their own interpretation of things from it as well and have their own moments in the film as well. Naskwi, when it came to the music and, and also, um, you know, Zena, when you were thinking about the music, what were your thoughts on music, I guess, first when you were writing it and, and the, the position and the and the role that music would have within the film? Oh, mm. oh, first of all, uh, sorry for my English. It's not very good. So if I get, if I get stuck, sometimes I get stuck and I'm, I'm thinking Spanish. So It's fine. I should say the same about my accent being Scottish as well. My <laughs> English is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing is um, I just moved from, from Venezuela to Barcelona and I received this strange call from a strange person that was Sina and she said she wanted to work with me she'd never met me before she just heard uh, the music that I did for another film The Embrace of the Serpent yeah. like five years ago
and and I was really impressed and I said wow she want to work with me and she, she doesn't know me and I'm just arriving here and she just sent me like the first cut it was like almost four hours cut I was like there yeah I was like oh I'd love to see that <laughs> it was like three hours yeah three hours 20 minutes yeah it was really long but I, I can like uh, have the feeling of the film yeah from that from that part Most of it, what you were talking, uh, the actress Andreas is she's so wonderful in every scene. So she really transmits this emotion that after in music uh, I have to work with. And the photography also was uh, the other thing that was really stunning for me. It was like oh, amazing. And I always wanted to be an archaeologist, and this was like a, a dream. And I said, wow. okay, <laughs> now I have. Uh, this person comes from nowhere and and she asked me if I can work in this film and I was really really uh moved by that but I was really uh, also a bit scared because I think the film uh shows a very and and this was one of the things that I told Sina the first time we met is very feminine I think it's it's very from the point of view of the woman and I felt that I can miss some things just because I'm a man and some things I cannot grab and cannot transduce to music. So I was a bit scared from that part. But um, after when I met Sina and we talk about the film and the music she wants for the film, she didn't want any music for the film. <laughs> she said, I want to be silenced. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I here then? <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah I, I was funny because i just wrote the film and the music for a film that was called the silence so i was becoming the composer for the silence <laughs> like some kind of john cage <laughs> style <laughs>
but the the first approach for the music from was from that point from silence so i i know cena has like a very very good instinct for finding dots those spots in the film that words doesn't have anything to do and noises and effects also doesn't work there so it's time for music It's almost kind of is what I felt like at times there was almost um, it's beautiful instrumentation as well that you've you've kind of, you know, you use throughout the film. There are, there are moments where almost there's like reverb and it almost feels like it's hard holding on to memories and things the way the reverb almost kind of it's like just holding on to things. And then I don't even know what they're called, but, you know, so I've got one downstairs that I love kind of sound, a sound bowl. A sound um, bowl, right? Yeah. yeah. And the almost it feeling a bit like meditation in a way as well at moments as well. It was just, it was yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. So we, we talk a lot and we, we approach many things and we talk about melody and harmony. But at the end, we, 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 we decided like very simple tones can like bring the whole idea of the scene. So we don't need like a big melody theme or a, a big orchestral harmony. It's just like the yeah the sound of, uh, of a bowl uh, or the sound of a glass rod, a glass rod, or just the bansuri. We use the bansuri also, and the kora. The kora was like the the most melodic instrument we use. We have this scale, a minor scale, nothing very complex, just very simple notes that we play and try to figure out what was going on in the character's mind. Was it really clear what you wanted? The sort of music sounds that you were very kind of you know knew exactly what you wanted. So um, I'm petrified of score, and I petrified because I feel like it's always used as a way to like hide someone's mistakes, and that like that it's. And I'm also really against telling people how to feel. I yeah. want to 
leave them to be able to feel. But after this three hour, 20 minute or whatever it was cut, <laughs> Paul Webster said to me, you know, who's one of my producers and like, like my main mentor, he's like, Zaina, it's phenomenal, but you're going to need score. And I was like, you know, the only person I would work with is the guy that did Embrace the Serpent because he basically um, took me to a place because, you know, I've done a lot of that sort of stuff. And I always wondered how it would be on film. It's a very hard thing to show on film. And uh, Nask, we did it. So we need to find him. And one of my best friends from NYU grad film lives in Colombia. Um, he is Colombian. And he knows the director of, of the Embrace the Serpent and the producer. So it was all through that. And then Paul Webster Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Facebook message Nasqui. I mean, that's how Hollywood works. So Paul Webster <laughs> Facebooks Nasqui, finds him. And then um, meanwhile, Miguel has contacted like Ciro's uh, yes, um, producer. And then I have these numbers and emails and we just go for it. And Nasqui is the coolest guy. So this is the thing about composers. I'm, as you can tell, someone who really knows what they want, right? I'm very respectful of the fact that I'm not a composer. Like in other things, film, I, I know how to edit. I know how to shoot. I know how to do sound recording. I can do everything, you know, because I went to this great school, which taught me how to do everything. Okay. But no one ever taught me how to compose. So of course I played the piano. I love music. My brother's a DJ, whatever, but I don't, I was very scared about not having the linguistics, you know, the, the kind of lexicon. So I said to Nasqui, I was like, Nasqui, I need you to teach me the, the words so I know how to, to speak to you properly because I hate doing something half-assed, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, he was so kind and so giving and so lovely. I really trusted him. And then he also is the best collaboration for me because then he empowered me to actually try and not be scared to not scared because I'm never scared obviously I'm a bit of a loud mouth but more like I could really start to, to analyze and was able to articulate what I liked and what I didn't like we had a really good thing going and I think that's really important because it became a it was it was both a very visceral but also a very intellectual discussion because Nasqui is a kind of a genius he also is a screenwriter and he does like 50,000 and he's a mathematician he's got like loads of stuff as most composers going on so it was really nice to have that um ability yeah because I was I was scared of score because it can go so wrong yeah well there's that lovely opening track that we get as well when you kind of start the film which almost is kind of like it just it's quite transportative in terms of it just places you in in the, the landscape really more than anything it's beautiful we use that because um it's a very emotional track for me because my dad used to play that to me because Aww. I couldn't speak Arabic as a kid and that's how I would hear Arabic. And he made me learn the song by rote. Thank you. 
so it was kind of a cool thing to have. But she's a she's a, a famous. Um, well, she's a, a Syrian Druze, but she's uh, her career was really in Egypt. And I think what's really interesting about her wow. uh, about that song is that we didn't want to have a plaque saying "Look for Egypt." You know what I mean? Yeah. So my editor and I were like, "Okay, how do we place it?" And I'm like, "Okay, in the taxis, sometimes you either get like Egyptian rave, you know, music, <laughs> or you can also get um, really beautiful old songs." And how about we play this song? It means a lot to me, but also in the song, the lyrics are all about missing someone and how they've left them. And it's very nostalgic and painful. And Nask, we loved it. And I keep on sending him different versions I find on the web of someone like singing it. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, a beautiful story. Yeah. What a wonderful thing to be able to include in your film, though, that has such a personal connection to you. You know, that's really, really beautiful. I loved as well that the dance that Andrea does in the film, it's so sad. It's so, so great. And I mean, just there's so many things I want to talk to you about the film. I hope we get a chance kind of, as we in some way, shape or form, get into award season, which I, I very much know that you've, you know, Andrea's already had a, an amazing kind of nod and the film's getting some great responses as well. And, and quite rightly so. But um, how you shot the film is so brilliant and you feel you're absolutely there you can smell you can feel you can the heat you know all of that and even the kind of the hotel she's staying in and you know it's kind of slightly it's old-fashioned and it's it it's a bit mothbally you know you get that kind of sense of it in a way in terms of still trying to be grand sorry I'm just talking at you now because I, there's so much I wanted to ask about oh, I'm so happy it's <laughs> so great but the locations as well and filming inside those the tombs as well that scene is just extraordinary and the whispering is just it's like oh, it's really clever so the whispering happened because we were in Barcelona it's the first time we met and yeah. I go for like six hours to Barcelona and we we sit in this um, what was the space it was this cool like cultural is, is it- space yeah, this guy is a royalty service uh, for authors and writers here. It's a beautiful building, and they have this beautiful hall that that they gave us to us just to our meeting, first meeting. Yeah, it was this huge room, like with like amazing yeah. windows, like very. It was very grand. It was very Luxor, and so we sat there, and and Nas, we just was like, I'm like, you know, Nas, we I like the idea of hearing some kind of like. We talked about the pregnant, the spaces being pregnant with voices and spirits and knowledge and just everything. And, you know, he was like, well, why don't we like whisper something into here? And then we tried to work out what I would whisper. And then I started to read from the Book of the Dead. I checked with the archaeologist first if that would be blasphemous. She said it wouldn't. (laughs) By the time you've come out of there, you're like, oh, my God, you've really got to be careful with this stuff. And um, so I was like, (laughs) I was reading all this um, Book of the Dead stuff. Remember where I tried to find the bits that weren't so gruesome? And yeah. Like, a bit gruesome. Let's go for this. And, and, we, and, you know, we didn't have much time together. I mean, maybe it was more. Maybe it was like eight hours. I arrived at 8 a.m. I left at 10 p.m. or something. Yeah. And, um, but by the end, of, I think I got ill the next day because we'd worked so hard. Yeah, so hard. Yeah. <laughs> we worked so hard and so intensely that I got so sick the next day for like a week because I'd like given my soul to this meeting, you know. But we, but we, yeah, he, he recorded it and then he did some really interesting stuff. And then, and then Daskri was like, let's play with glass. Um, but, but those scenes, like, you know, we had three hours to shoot in that tomb and it was a live three location. Hours. Three hours. That's what they gave us. Because, you know, you're not really meant to. Otherwise, you ruin the, like, um, the, all the, 
you know, the hieroglyphics and the paint and everything, you have to be really careful. So um, we had three hours and then there was a mess up because the current, so we'd gone and done a recce, mm. we tested the current to see what we should shoot at, right? But then, because it's such an old place, the currents were different. So like, you got all these like random different irregularities so we had to then suddenly change out the lights I had my baby there um in the tomb breastfeeding him it was hysterical and breastfeeding him in the tomb by where the you know the sarcophagus would have been changing the lights like and we managed to do it because it and it just honestly it was so that was the one scene that I didn't want to cut down because I I you I had so much, I literally just shot for those three hours. We just went for it. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, and we had her walking around and it was just, um, you know, every, every single part because, you know, I had, I'd taken the archaeologist who'd shown me where we should, um, what illustrations would be, per, you know, would be relevant for the film so I could show them. Mm-hmm. But um, it just, every, you just want to, you know, it's like when you get greedy and you want to get everything. And then in the editing, it was so hard to cut that scene, but we did it. Wow. With that dance scene, what were the conversations you had with Andrea about that and about that performance? So many. So <laughs> she wanted to do it to Purple Rain. So initially, the scene was that she would fall and do that on a boat in the Nile and fall off it mm-hmm. into the water. But then they told me I would need a scuba diving team in case she drowned <laughs> and there might be crocodiles. At which point I was like, maybe not. Let's just do it in the bar. It's so not we did death it in on the, the Nile we're filming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so like, we don't have that budget. I mean, like, we, we, will do, we, we shot for 18 days, you know. So then, so, and by the way, the bar was live. So like, we, couldn't, we didn't have any money to lock down locations. So some of the hotel guests were there. And we're like, listen, you're going to be here. You can have a drink on us. Do not look in the camera. So she was doing that in front of like random tourists, some of them. And the conversation we had was this. So we, we knew where we, we had a basic conversation about it. Then we had tried to train the hotel pianist, Peter, how to do Purple Rain. But then we didn't. So he did this really cool from, from his ear, um, just because he, he can't, I don't think he reads music. He did this really like amazing, um, you know, Purple Rain version. But then we couldn't use it because we didn't get the rights. So then he just did his own kind of piano bar music, which actually made me really laugh because it's like very piano bar-y. Yeah. And, and she comes in, she does her thing. And then we just do adjustments. So because the first time she did it, because she's a dancer, it was literally like watching like the Royal Ballet. And I was like, hey, let me show you how high I can lift my leg. And that's going to be where we go. And then suddenly from being really fabulous, it went to being being mega goofy, like not just fabric because it was goofy, but it just went to like, you know, you know, doctors can't really stretch that well. You know, they're like really stressed, you know, <laughs> yeah. and that kind of thing. So, we, and then and then we just took it from there and did more and more, um, and it was really fun. I mean, we didn't do many takes, but Andrea's great because she gives, and then we we had a decision where she gave so much, and then you know she listened as well, very open to listening. So we kind of managed to get to this really great place. So good, and I love the Grateful Dead tour guide lady. She was genius. <laughs> She's real, by the way. I was going to ask because. When you said that you you filmed real people, I was like, she feels so real. <laughs> so she, so the, the real lady, unfortunately, was stuck in Oregon, but she had told me she has that group. And mm-hmm. Indigo, the woman in the blue, who was talking in the yeah. in Ma- Medina Habu, she's this lady's uh, second in command, basically. And they have a group <laughs> that they take around Egypt to do about to talk about spirituality. But what's really amazing is that it's really pertinent and kind of like you're with your shrink, but they're using like ancient Egyptian stuff. So it's kind of really amazing. It's not like yeah. hokey. And on top of that, what was really amazing 
is that when I said to her, how, I, the first time I spoke to her, I was like, so first of all, how did you end up in Egypt? She goes, my husband, I went out with the Grateful Dead. My husband managed the band. That was her line. Wow. Oh, man. I loved it. I, I loved it so much. And I loved it, the fact that, I don't know, there's just these beautiful moments of, like you say, the way that we, ask me with the, with the music in terms of the beat, almost an internal exploration to her and that beautiful cue where she's lying on the bed. Um, and that's just kind of almost tells you so much about her internal thought process almost in a way just through the the music that you've created for that that scene. I thought that was absolutely stunning. Yes, I think that's almost the only melody that plays through the mm. whole film. And uh, yeah, we call it like it was like the love theme for the, mm. for the movie. And after we talk about the whispering and all this stuff, uh, we said like we need like this um texture of the of the place we have to find it we 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 didn't know how to get there mm-hmm. and i think w- one one of the ways to find this was this exaggerated reverb of of the music so it it makes you feel that you're on under these temples and yeah. these sacred places also like the, uh, to have like the um, the voice of of her of of this character of Hannah's i think what we find with a with a crystal bachet sound mixed with a bold sound make like this resemblance of the of the female voice i think that was what we were aiming to yeah i think we we got close <laughs> Also, we'd quite like all of Hannah's wardrobe, please. Um. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. So the, the costume oh. designer was really upset with me. She was like, what is this? You know, <laughs> she should be in sexy. And I'm like, listen, like, <laughs> we need her to wear, like, stuff which she stands out against the ruins. She can't be in colonial khaki and white shirt stuff because she's mm-hmm. so blonde and so white. So we need her to be in clothes also that, like, she can lose herself in. Mm. Um 
I was really um, influenced by the the wardrobe in the in the in the passenger. Yeah, um, Antonio's a passenger because there it's really beautiful because it's feminine, but it's like intellectual. It's very casual, but obviously there it was sexier. But I was really I love the way that that wardrobe played out against the architecture. Mm. And and then for her, I also used it as a psychological kind of um, like a cape she could hide behind, yeah. you know. And yeah. you also get her whole history because she's had those shirts made in Kathmandu, Damascus, in you know China. She's like had it done everywhere. You know, she's traveled everywhere, and she just picks these things up in the market because she doesn't have time to get clothes. You know. Yeah, and the fact they're quite masculine with those big collars and stuff as well. Yeah. It's just like yeah, amazing. And that's what you find in local tailors when you don't really guide them that much. You know, because mm. they were made by the local Cairo tailor, and then they were made big so that they could be sort of redone to her size because mm. everything was not so fast but yeah. then when we put them on her we were like no 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 this is this we're going oversized you know pastel yeah. oversized <laughs> pastel oversized i like it that should be the new new season everyone pastel yeah oversized. there you go that's what we're going for and um, listen i can't congratulate you enough on this because i think it's a really special film and um i don't know i kind of uh, you know i think as a woman as well, I think we all go through a, a moment like this uh, that, you know, that Hannah's gone through. And I think that I definitely connected with it and sort of even now found it helpful in a way in terms of just thinking back on things that I didn't really get closure to or or address or whatever. And I think that a lot of people will, will get that from it as well. And that is definitely also kind of cemented by this beautiful score Nasqui, as I said, I kind of feel like it just has this kind of otherworldliness that that really kind of reverberates internally with a sort of meditative quality, and it's beautiful. And I hope we get to talk again about it in in the future. And I look forward to seeing what's next as well. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. Bye. From the score to Luxor, that's Marsam Hotel, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with the composer Nasca Linares and writer-director Zena Dura. My huge thanks to Zena and Nasca for taking the time to talk to me. As I mentioned, you can watch Luxor from the comfort of your own home on a number of platforms, and I highly recommend that you do, not just for the pure entertainment and beauty of the film, but it is incredibly transportative and it does kind of make you feel like you're there and we all need to escape right now so go and check it out to catch up with all of our previous episodes you can head to our brand new shiny website uh, edithbowman.com which has been updated and has this brilliant search function that means that you can search all 231 of our episodes uh, with ease follow us on facebook 
Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And if you have the time, please do check out our little YouTube channel for a show that I put together to accompany this podcast. We've got a whole batch that are going to be up there in the next couple of weeks, but there's some brilliant ones up there already for you guys to check out. And if you do like what you hear with the podcast, please do tell your friends, spread the word and help more people enjoy what we think is a wonderful exploration into the world of film and music. Next up, right, we all need a good sing-along, okay? I'm very excited that next week on the show we have Kristen Anderson-Lopez and Bobby Lopez. You know who they are. They are the duo that created the musical brilliance from the two Frozen films. They were also uh, involved in Coco. Bobby was the co-creator of the Book of Mormons and they have also written some original pieces for the brand new Marvel TV series WandaVision. Oh yes, there is so much to talk to Kristen and Bobby about and I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Let it go, let it go. Let it go.